thank you for downloading this in-ear entertainment podcast. You're listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets. Sonnet 144. Two loves I have of comfort and despair, which like two spirits do suggest me still. The better angel is a man right fair, the worse a spirit a woman coloured ill. To win me soon to hell my female evil tempeth my better angel from my side, and would corrupt my saint to be a devil, wooing his purity with her foul pride. And whether that my angel be turned fiend, suspect I may, yet not directly tell, but being both from me, both to each friend, I guess one angel in another's hell. Yet this shall I ne'er do, but live in doubt, till my bad angel fire my good one out. That was Sonnet 144 of Shakespeare's Sonnet. Sonnets. I am Mark Chastley, finding it hard to speak, and I am joined, as always, by a very smug-looking... Jerry Hillis. I wasn't smug, I was just going... Okay, you you looked you looked well a bit done. smug. It I... was a good reading. It was a good reading. Oh, okay, Shush. okay. Oh, I'm take getting praised. Co- take the compliment <gasps> and be quiet. Okay. Sorry, sorry. I didn't realise you were <laughs> going to praise me. It doesn't happen very often, you see. It's not good. It's fine. I could. I, I'm going to put you down again in the next sonnet. Okay. Or in this one. Oh, please don't. <laughs> Let's go for a whole sonnet. Just telling me I'm wonderful. That'd be lovely. What do you it's think? Not going to happen. Oh, you're mean. What do you think of this sonnet? It's a very weird... The, like, the, the comment I have on, on this sonnet is just a picture of a little girl with a dog. What? And a bird on her arm. Oh, that's a bit sad. I don't quite know what that's got to do with the sonnet, though. I don't know. This is... It, it's this very much reads like a battle between light and darkness yeah it's the idea of the two versus evil the angels in very kind of was it bugs bunny he'd have the good and the bad devil. oh the good and the bad angel yeah. yeah two loves i have of comfort and despair which i think is i think that's isn't it in the quran it talks about you have two angels that follow you around constantly one of which is noting down all the good things you do and one of which is noting down all the bad things you do and then they're weighed up at the end of your life to decide where you go because an all-loving God decides torturing people for eternity is just... Let's just throw that out there. I don't know. I've, I've not really familiarized, familiarized myself with, with the Quran that much. No, I only know bits and pieces. I feel very bad. I shouldn't criticize it too much if I only know bits and pieces. But it's a religion. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, you're allowed to criticize religion. Religion is evil. <laughs> as as is the um, one of the two angels. Yes, I d- the worse spirit, a woman coloured ill. Uh, yeah, a woman coloured ill. Which is just it's it's very much well. I should read the line before that as well. The better angel is a man, right? Fair. The worse spirit, a woman coloured ill. So it's just the the goodness is is obviously male and the bad is is obviously female and and the hierarchy of of colours as well. So it seems to suggest yeah. that in Shakespeare's mind, at the very top, you've got white men and then white women and then black men and then black women are the women. worst of the worst. And it's 
it's really well, that, I mean look at them they have dirty skin <gasps> yes that's obviously what it is I, if they just washed and they've that's, yeah unbelievable unbelievable <laughs> it is it is it's such a weird I still can't get my head around this, this idea that you judge people based upon where they were born or what colour they are. It seems like such a illogical point of view to me. I don't understand it. It really confuses me. Well, especially, well, I guess in Shakespeare's time, if you were black, you were probably poor. Um, yeah. Just the general reality of the day. Black, poor, lower yeah. class. But, but today, there's literally nothing... Yeah, no I mean, reason. The president for it. of the United States is Af- um, African American. It's not. Yeah, it's nothing he... will tell you how intelligent or wearing the social status they are. And that, and that's. I, it just seems such a bizarre road to go down. Surely, I understand that as 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 a species, we like to compartmentalize and group people and. And we also have a, a, a distrust, an inbuilt distrust for things that are different. I understand that, but that can all be overridden by logic, which we all have and possess. But surely, judge people by their actions. I know it's such a cliched thing to say, but if someone's a dick to you, then you you don't associate with them. And there are it's only something I'm learning in the past five years I've really learned, but there was a couple of people I've kind of gone, yeah, you're a bit of a dick, I'm not talking to you anymore. Um... But this idea that you can personify evil as a female and as a coloured female is, is, is as as Shakespeare did then, not using that term because it's in general use. Very odd. It's very strange. Yeah, yeah. It's um the 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 black woman uh, corrupts his his fair young man it just yeah and and that that is it's interesting that he gives the power to the to the evil side to the dark side it's the well he's very much sticking with the good is a victim yes him being also good but it's also and you get this in modern in modern um sort of mythology and modern thinking as well that that what bad people do is incredibly tempting and what good people are doing is is withholding from these bad things to do. But even though they know they're fun, it, it's that idea that I suppose that everything that bad people do is tempting and people want to do it. And by being good, you are just avoiding that rather than you can enjoy yourself by being good. So it's always tempting. Yeah. You're always tempted to cheat and you're always tempted to kill people and you're always tempted to be a dick to people I, I find that such an odd because you're giving the power to the evilness am I making any sense yeah yeah no that makes sense it's very strange I guess it isn't a new idea to play the victim though even even in Shakespeare's time it was it's very easy to just portray yourself as as the um the the, the poor good person who just reacts to what's being done to them. Yes. 
And there, there are, I mean, even in Shakespeare's other plays, that comes up. I mean, Hamlet in, in Hamlet, is, is he actually going mad or is he playing that role to uh, elicit responses from other people? Um, Shylock as well could be uh, seen to be playing the victim a bit after. Because, I, I mean, you can see if in The Merchant of Venice, Shylock can be played in many different ways. And one of the ways he can be played is as a legitimate businessman who who gets uh, discriminated against. Another way of looking at it is he's an evil moneylender who gets what's coming to him. And and it's very interesting that you, you can play him as that kind of evil person or not. But yeah, you can you can play him as the victim. Yeah. It it's just it's really weird. Well it's not even um just in, in Shakespeare's plays, it um remember we're in the the Roman Empire never started a war. They 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 had that weird law that they could only fight back. They kind of twisted that round, like they they went and instigated the other party to attack them first, so yes. they could be the victim and react. But they were never the att- they were always just the the poor people defending yeah. themselves all the way to Scotland because. But that's very similar to what. Uh, oh, I might get reamed to this. It's very similar to what America did uh, before the war yeah. in Iraq. Well, still does the the idea that the war in iraq happened because of 911 and that 911 was was america was the victim and and completely ignoring the fact that for 10 years previous to 911 america had been doing nightly bombing raids in iraq had literally been bombing the country every night for 10 years or some obscenely long amount of time and that 911 was a response to that it wasn't the first blow, but well, the, America trained Bin Laden. Yes, so Americans basically trained Bin Laden because they didn't want to go and and sacrifice their own people in Afghanistan. That the first um, war in Afghanistan, so they trained Bin Laden and just hired militia from other countries and just gave them weapons, gave them the military training, and then just went. Well, you can fight the Russians now. And at the end of that war, the country was just lying in ruin. It was just a destroyed country. And the Americans went, well, you're free now. Have fun. We're going to go. And then just left the militia in power with all the weapons that they'd yeah. been given. And, and buggered off and left them with a, just a wasteland. So obviously... They're going to be they're pissed. Gonna, yeah, they're going to be pissed off. And then just kind of... I mean, it's, I'm not defending the Taliban at all. No, it's and- horrific what they did. But it's not one-sided. They were, and America wasn't, well, a victim, yes. But they were a victim of, of their own policies. Yeah, and, and... It was an evil that they brought on themselves. And that's it. It's, uh, what, what we're saying is we're not saying that America... We're not... Yeah, it's the... We're not defending. What I'm not happened, saying they deserved it or what. What? Yeah, but it was a. It wasn't they. F- the first step, I guess. Yeah, no, it's it's way too complex to go. Oh, the evil Taliban. It's like, and it comes down to you that kind of. You're at the source. You you are the ones who created the Taliban, basically. Yeah. Or gave them the power that they have now. 
and it comes down to that playing of the victim which is is all bad and and that's what we're that's how it links into what we're talking about here uh, is that it's it's playing of the victim which we are disagreeing with which is a very politically very powerful um yeah move oh, totally yeah very I mean, very you, you are the victim but but well officially the victim but you're really the one who uh, who's pulling all the strings behind the scenes there's um something in <laughs> this is going to say a lot there's something in in the uh, uh, snm uh sadism and masochism um uh, sort of area of life because um, you have subs and doms, so you're the dominant people and the submissive people. But there's something called um, uh, doming from the sub or something like that. I can't remember the exact phrase, but it's the idea that when people are role playing uh, the the submissive person and the dominant person, it's actually the submissive person that has the power because they're the ones yeah, who set the, one the boundaries. Control. Yeah, yeah. And the, and, the, and they're the ones who can stop. Yeah, whereas the, the Dom is acting out a role within a confine and is, actually has very little power other than what's given to him by the other person. And it's this very interesting flip on what you what you intuitively think it's going to be. That's that's kind of what Fifty Shades of Grey got completely wrong. I've not read or know just, much just, about just it. Considering the... Um... The, the, the dom just being the one with absolute power and not really giving a damn about what the other person says and just doing what the hell that that he wants to do which, which just no no <laughs> yeah that's not that's not how it works um I'm kind of running out of things to say for this sonnet sorry well we have been talking about it for like 15 minutes It's a good. I quite like it as a sonnet. Uh, again, it's another one of those sonnets where I like it as a poem. I don't necessarily agree with the subject matter. Yeah. I, I think it, yeah. it's putting people into a role based upon gender and race because that of, of that was what was accepted at the time. And I suppose that's... I, I'm a bit disappointed in Shakespeare. You tend to think of all these these great writers as being hugely progressive and, and seeing things how they should be rather than how they are. And that's obviously not the case here. And even when you look at some sci-fi writers, um, Asimov is, is a great example. His books, in some way, uh, the, uh, the iRobot series of uh, short stories he did, are so forward-thinking in some ways. The idea of robotics and the idea of a central database like the internet and uh, AI is all so forward-thinking. And and the idea that a woman um, can be the the head of the uh, the robot psychology department, she was a doctor, that would have been incredibly forward-thinking at the time, but he's got a woman and put her into a position of power. But... At the same time, she still faints whenever there's the slightest sign of danger and she's the one that has to go and get the tea and coffee for people. And and it's this kind of... You, you want to see these great writers as incredibly progressive and then you read their stuff and you actually find that, no, they're just as much a product of their time as I am a product of my time. And I'm sure yeah. if I had grand... But then... Oh, go on. They, they, they are still... They're still pushing the boundaries... Yes, they are. I don't think there's ever been anything that was so radically different that it would be similar to the situation 50 years later. 
you have in Star Trek, you have uh, Nichelle Nichols, who just it was the first black woman on TV in a main role, just playing a, a normal person. Yes, in, in yeah, yeah. Quotation marks. Actually, that didn't really make much sense, making them on camera and not actually saying it. <laughs> I think everyone but, understood what you meant. There is, there, there's still like the um, the Mirror Universe episode where she's still. It's very much sexualized, and she's still. She's not part of like the upper hierarchy. She's still just an officer, kind of thing, and she gets the odd line to to say she she's not. Well, today, what what you could just have just a normal black character woman just yeah would just be a normal character, but but and 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 today people usually go oh Star Trek was like the first they 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 push that boundary and they broke through that barrier and and you watch it and you go they not really but they were still that very f- important first step to get that development on the way yeah so in that regard you can still go well they were a product of their time but still much respect to them for yeah going that little bit further that no one else did because no one did and and star trek actually quite interestingly has a really interesting history when it comes to things like that because they had a horror like you say the first uh leadish role that was a, a black character um but they also had the first interracial kiss ever on tv or on american tv at least i don't know if it was a world first they had the first lesbian kiss on American TV. I think that had already happened on UK TV well before then, um, which was in um, Deep Space Nine with with Dax and one of her previous lovers. Um, but at other times, Star Trek's really fought against... They've never had an openly gay character. Um, and they've yeah. always refused to kind of skirt to to address that issue the nearest they came was a next generation episode which dealt with a species that uh, didn't have genders um but every now and then someone would be born who felt like they were one gender or another and and they kind of dealt with it in a roundabout way and and you're right it's this very i suppose you can't always challenge the norms because if you did that constantly you wouldn't get the viewers, you need to stay on the air. So you have to do it in this very kind of soft touch way, unless you've yeah. got the brand behind you. It would be interesting to see what would happen if Star Trek was still on air now. Yeah. What 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 they would do with gay characters? Because this is... It, it, it's looking like the 2010s are very much going to be the decade of where homosexuality just got the rights they deserve what what how star trek would would handle that one or whether i mean they got cancelled in 2005 so that's that's almost a decade ago if if they'd managed in between in in that space of 10 years whether they would have managed to kind of foresee the the gay movement if that's a term yeah whether they would have had the gay character slightly ahead of stuff like Proposition 8 and all that kind of... All, all those things happening. Oh, I don't... Uh, Which, yeah, I it would be... And it's interesting because it's a part of Star Trek that's disappeared. I know we're going completely off, but it does kind of link into this on it. But I, I feel... One of the reasons I feel that the new movies, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek 
movies although i have only ever watched the first one and i was so upset at the first one i've never watched the second one the second one is slightly better but it's still not star trek okay i but they didn't have any of that in it there was no questioning of the no, social it was norms. just a washed out blue and and some fight scenes because he, and and jj abrams is um big red ball that he keeps using again and again yeah it's because when you look at, I think every Star Trek has had something in it that was slightly controversial. You had uh, in you know horror in in the original series, Next Generation. It had um, a female head of security, which uh, to have a female in a position which is a powerful military position was quite revolutionary. Although they did get rid of her quite quickly. Uh, Deep Space Nine had Dax, which was the idea of. Uh, someone living many lives, so she had respect beyond her years, which was quite interesting, and, and wasn't really male or female. Um, yes, could and would yeah be quite happily swapping genders. Although again, it was never really explored in terms of sexuality, but it was there. And then Voyager, which dealt with uh, interspecies relationships from the very beginning. You had Neelix and Kess. Kess, who were yeah. different species, but were in a relationship, and and then that came back with later on spoilers for you know a 10 year old tv show with tom and balana uh it was so they well then they had the um the rights movement for um ais they oh, they, yes. they had in in in, in specific but more towards the later series and specifically in the last one they had um there's an episode called author author where the hollow um gram like, who, who was programmed to just be an ima- um, medical emergency program they they allow him to just basically expand his programming and and decide for himself what he wants to be and there's like throughout the entire show there's this whole he's trying to find a name for himself which again spoiler he never does he he he, he never finds one that he decides on but then there's an episode where he writes a, a novel a holo novel but a novel yeah. basically and sends it to a publisher and the publisher publishes it without any kind of consent no contracts are signed because he is just a program yeah and they just they they have an entire episode where they just it's it's just a 40 minute debate about the rights of an artificial intelligence which is which is probably a debate that at some point we're gonna have we're not there yet it's gone it's decades off but yeah but eventually that's a question that's gonna come up and and it's it's being dealt with in modern sci-fi that almost human is dealing with it, albeit depending on which writer and which episode you watch, it's yes, either dealt with very, very well or very badly. Uh, I came across that one you were talking about the other day. Oh yeah, it was. It's it's a very it's a wonderful show, almost human. You should watch it if you like sci-fi and dystopian sci-fi. Really do watch it, but keep in mind, depending on which episode you watch, the quality of the writing does vary it's, a little bit. Yeah. Because there are some episodes where everything's very subtly done and very nice. And then there are other episodes where you're just hit around the head with a hammer over and over again. Yeah. This is our theme for this episode. This is what we're talking about. Clang, clang, (sighs) clang. Yeah. I think it's probably time you read. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We do need to do a sci-fi podcast, I think. (laughs) We do. We do. If you can, we, we can dedicate me. an episode to um, Carl Urban and talk about him as Bones and as the cop in Almost Human, oh, yes. and as Judge Dredd. That would yes, that sounds good. Probably read this. <laughs> 
Sonnet 144. Two loves I have of comfort and despair, which like two spirits do suggest me still. The better angel is a man right fair, the worse a spirit a woman coloured ill. To win the soon to hell my female evil tempteth my better angel from my side, and would corrupt my saint to be a devil, wooing his purity with her foul pride. And whether that my angel be turned fiend, suspect I may, yet not directly tell, but being both from me, both to each friend, I guess one angel in another's hell. Yet this shall never know, but live in doubt, till my bad angel fire my good one out. Absolutely brilliant. That was Sonnet 144 of Shakespeare's Sonnets. I have been Mark Chatterley, and you can follow me on Twitter at inearent. I've been Thierry Healers, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sound of Seagulls. And we shall see you next time for Sonnet 145. And now that we're back on track and haven't recorded any out of order, it will actually be 145 for us too. <laughs> bye bye. Hooray. Back on track. <laughs> Yay. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets with Mark Chatterley and Thierry Hellis. This has been an in-ear entertainment podcast. To listen to other podcasts or find out more about in-ear entertainment, go to www.inearentertainment.com.